Blog Talk Radio. In order to be free, you have to know the truth. Pastor Lionel Gant seeks to use the truth of God's word to help stop the tide of violence and mass incarceration used to enslave people all across this nation. Now, the word of truth by Pastor Lionel Gant. I am looking for freedom, looking for freedom, and Glory to God, glory to God. This is the whole truth and nothing but the truth radio broadcast, and we're coming to you live once again from Atlanta, Georgia, and and this is a glorious day, so we want to give God all the glory, we want to give God all the praise. We set aside this day to come before him with thanksgiving and with praise. Father God, we just thank you, we just glorify you, we just magnify your name. Father God, we give you all the honor. Father God, we give you all the glory. Father God, we give you all the praise. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen, and thank God. Yep, this is the whole truth and nothing but the truth radio broadcast. And we're coming to you live once again from Atlanta, Georgia. And and, and today I was trying to to, to do our show that was that was highlighting our women our women of valor. And, 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 and today we wanted to try to highlight the changing role of our women in, in, in our society today. As we, see, as we see our women coming forth, I know with the, with the SCLC and our Stop the Violence campaign, you know, our women, they, they, they make up about 50% of our leadership, and they make up about... Uh, Fifty percent of, of 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 the of the of the speakers and the and the nonprofit organizations that they represent. And so today we wanted to try to hear from those women. So I'm coming to you uh, out of the scripture today. I'm coming to you out of the book of Proverbs, and you know it's a familiar scripture, but I'm reading in the in the New English Version of the Bible, and it's coming out of Proverbs 31. And I'm going to begin at the at the tenth verse, a, a very familiar scripture, when it talks about who can find a virtuous woman. And it says in the tenth verse, "Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. Her heart, the heart of her husband, safely trusts her, so he will have no lack." Of gain, she does him good and not evil. All the days of her life, she seeks wool and flax, and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships; she brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night, and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servant. She considers a field and buys it. And and, and, and let me stop let me stop right there at, at that sixteenth verse. It says that that this wife goes out and she considers a field and buys it. it it's letting us know that, that and it talks about her being like a merchant ship. 
that brings her food from afar. It's saying that, that our women should not be held back, but they should be active in business while, while the husband is out there doing the work of God, while he's out there doing the things of God, while he's out there providing for the family. She, too, has taken on an active role at, at providing for the family. And, and, and that even includes the business world. Now, now, where do we get this from where we see our black women asserting themselves, you know, in authority over the black man? That should never happen. That should never happen. She should be in her rightful place as, as the help me, and, and, the, and the man should be in his rightful place as the husband man. And I think that many of us don't know the meaning of, of that of that word, husband man. That means that he is the caretaker of the vine, meaning that you were willing to even sacrifice your life, everything for that family, that you are the caretaker, that you are the provider, that you are the one that's even willing to that even willing to go the extra length to take care of the vine. All right, so this is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. I started reading to you in the book of Proverbs 31. I started reading to you uh, the, the familiar scripture about the virtuous woman. But we were trying to get some women on the line this morning to to share in, to share in with us on, on what it takes to be, what is, the, what is that changing, you know, with the role of our women changing, where does that put us and, and where are we at in the black family today? So do we have any uh, callers on the line? If we have callers on the line, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself first, and then uh, and then go into uh, then go into your work. Okay. Do we have any callers on the line? We do. Uh, online, online, open right now. Go ahead, caller. Hi. Yes, my name is Antonia Williams. Hey, Antonia, how you doing? Glory to God. I'm doing good. And yourself? Everything? Oh, praise God. Praise God. Y'all, y'all this is our young lady. Uh, Tonya, I think you were 17 years old? Yes, sir. Okay. And she's going to give a spoken word for us this morning. As you know, we're always talking about stopping the violence, and we're always talking about talking about uh, unity in the so we're going to ask her to give her spoken word, but tell us a little bit about yourself, Antonio, and then go into your spoken word. Okay. Well, um, so I'm a spoken word artist, and I'm also a two-times published author of two books. Oh, I just said that. But um, so my first book is Answers from God, and it's about two sisters who take different paths in life, but through prayer and dreams, God reunites them. And then my second book, Call on Me, is about a wealthy atheist woman who will soon find out that money can't save her when she becomes ill. And um, I published my first book at 15 years old and my second book at Glory 16. And so I've been speaking since I was 12 years old. All right, all right, yeah. all right. <laughs> well, we have some powerful yeah. women on the line, so I'm going to ask you to go ahead and share your share your spoken word with us. Okay, okay. Okay, one more minute. Okay. Statistically wise, I was told I'll be dead between the ages of 15 and 19. There are more than 350 million guns in circulation in the U.S. Numbers increase every day. And we live in a world where we have to stay awake 
And by awake, I don't literally mean don't sleep. I mean stay awake because the world ain't sweet, not for you and not for me. And boy, am I scared to walk out my front door just to take a nice sun-kissed picture. Boy, am I scared to go someplace nice because shootings are happening every day. You can be at the right place at the wrong time, and it's crazy because I wish I can control time. I don't get it. I mean, I really just don't get it. Killing our own people like it's such a big thrill. Why so much hate? Black on black is the most we face. We should be this together, not killing our own race. We're better than this, I must admit. And we live in a time where kids are holding up signs saying, I don't want to die, 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 die. I ain't got time to die. I was born to be somebody, so I need to be alive. I'm fighting for my life. I got a family that need to see me alive. I got people looking up to me as my time to shine. Put the guns down. Stop the violence so we can all survive. Society is at its all-time high, and I hate the fact that I got to cry. Cry my eyes out like a baby without its pacifier. I view the world as a hateful, ungrateful, shameful, unstable, distasteful blazing fire. We got to wake up or stay sleep, but saying sleep only leads to a continuation of deprivation by leaving our people below elevation, the seeping a life out of their determination. We need to form a strong foundation to become great leaders and achievers. And believe me when I say I got my head held high and I'm trying to eliminate the bad guys. We just can't let time pass by. And when I say I cry, I mean a battle cry because I'm tired and feel required to repair the broken and unspoken and I'm focused. I ain't doing no joking. I ain't speaking just to speak. This right here is reality. Rumor says that we ain't going to grow to be none because there's always a shooter. But if we put the guns down and pay attention, then maybe we can reboot us. I'm a peacemaker, not a fighter. I want to come together, not divide us. There's always hate. There ain't no unity. And I'm sick and tired of the foolery. We got to come together, not hate on each other. Because we come in peace. That's just what I believe. I stand tall, all ten toes. Trying to be a hero. No competition. We on a mission. Got to fight for our future. Because society is like a wound. And we got to be the suture. That's it. Thank you. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Well, Antonio, you, you, from a youth perspective, what do you see as the changing role of our black women today? I mean, I mean, go ahead and, and let's, let's, let's hear from you. And then if we have our other women on the line, can you all please identify yourself? Who do we have on the line? Uh, Minister Jonathan Simmons. Okay, all right, we have Mr. Jonathan Simmons on the line. Okay, so Antonio, go into, tell us what you think about this, about the changing role of our women. As you see, your mother um, just ran for city council, and, and and women are taking a more progressive role in business. As I was reading out of uh, the book of Proverbs, it showed the virtuous woman, a woman out there handling business for her family. Yes, sir. So, well, I think um, I think it's actually a good thing because, you know, so many men that um, always, you know, people think, oh, yeah, this job is, is more, you know, for men and stuff. So I really think it's a great thing that women are stepping up to the plate and actually taking on men roles. Um, and it's not just men roles because women can do it. And I feel like we do need more uh, women in political, in the office and stuff. And so, you know, I just really think that, you know, that's a great thing um, for our women. Black women, especially. Amen. Amen. So, so tell us about your. So, tell us a little bit more about your books. I mean, I mean, what, what? Okay, when you look at teenagers, you know, everybody, you know, you know how the people think the teenagers. They think that the teenagers nowadays, you know, they wild, they crazy, they just out here having sex and just out here 
you know, uh, selling dope or they out here carrying guns or they out here, you know, they think that the, that our youth are all wild and crazy. But we know that's not so. I mean, what inspired you to to start writing at your age? Um, well, my mother is, played a big part um, with me starting to write. She's an author of 12 books. And so I really, you know, I was like, okay, so what else can I do to inspire and give millennials hope, just not through my, you know, speaking, but also through my writing. So I decided to write a book. And um, my books are like Christian-based books, and they give you hope, they give you inspiration, and they also give you faith. If you're a big believer in God, if you're a Christian, this, you know, those books will really help you. They're short stories, but they're really nice and stuff. So I really think that my mother uh, really played played a big part in um, inspiring me to to write. So yes. Well, well, what do you okay from from a youth perspective? What do you what 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 do you think we need to do to turn our youth around? Okay, and, and, I, and I'm hearing from you. I'm hearing from you that your mother played an instrumental part in that. With me too, my mother played an instrumental part in me turning my life around because you know I was out there and I was out there doing some horrific things. Okay, but 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 yeah. but you know she pulled me to the side and she was like, "Son, you know you're greater than this." And, and you know, at that time, I was like, oh, come on, Mama. You know, it takes money to live in America. But then when I walked yeah. away from her, got back in my car, it, those words penetrated my heart. And then from that moment, I started making a positive change. So so what do we have to do to, to reach out to our youth? What do you think? Well, um, I like what you just said there. You said that your mother played a big part, and also she said that you're greater than this. And I also believe that, mm-hmm. you know, to to um, for our youth, I think it starts with, you know, it starts at home, basically. You know, you're raised by you raised by your parents, and depending on, you know, what your lifestyle is, that's how you will grow up to be. So I really think that these, you know, young young people really need love in, the, in their family. And if they don't have it in their family, I really think that they should, you know, we should – get more mentors for them, you know, just more people to be able to say, yes, I believe in you, because that's all somebody would need. That's all. You never know that there'll be all somebody would need, you know, to spark their brain to, to be somebody greater than what they are already. So I really think that it starts with, you know, it starts at home, but it's all about love. It's all about, you know, encouraging, giving these young people hope that you can be somebody, you know. If you're good at this, you know, we should be able to um, give them resources to help them, you know, better get better at what they're good at to be somebody in life. So I really think that's what I think. Okay. Well, Mr. Simmons, you have anything to add? Well, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. I'm well past the age of uh, of the youth, so uh, <laughs> it's going to be hard for me to comment off from that perspective except to say that, um, you know, a lot of it is, is exactly what uh, Antonio said. I, I, I know her mom. She's been over at our station a couple of times, and um, – you know, certainly she set the groundwork and, uh, you know, laid out uh, the game plan, you know, for her children. And then not only did she lay it out, but she walked it out in real time so they could see it. You know, it wasn't like something she was just telling them, oh, y'all do this, you do that thing. But she actually, you know, showed them how to, you know, uh, make the best out of things when things don't necessarily go right, how to push forward even though people may not be feeling you in a particular area or a particular skill set. And the result is that, uh, you know, she's a woman who's been gifted to achieve so many things beyond what I'm sure a lot of people thought 
might have been um, possible. So that's that's what we have to do as as you know, quote unquote, parents, older generation, wherever you want to put us in. We have to continue to walk out and not just talk out. <laughs> I mean, look at what you said, Mr. Simmons. You know, okay, you, you, you see that the stereotype is that you know that a black woman, you know, can't be the head of the household. She can't do this. She can't do that. And, and they're saying this is why our society is failing. But, you know, it was me and my mama sometime against the whole world. I mean, now she, she married and she married men and, and things of this sort. So so that was that I couldn't say that that was not a father present. That was a father present at certain points and times in our lives. But 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 this this is this is this is this is a single mother that. That that raised their children and brought them up in a, in a right way, and, and 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 Antonio, you you growing up in that household, you know, you could, I mean, that just gives us the proof that we can make it as Black America. We can make it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So 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 about your book, the book that you wrote about the about the two sisters. What inspired you for that? And tell us a little bit about these sisters. Give us a little bit about this book, how it went. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I just, you know, I try to think outside the box. Gets creative. And um, they are nonfiction. So, you know, I just really made up the characters. I mean, I'm sorry. They're fiction. Um, mm-hmm. And I made up the characters. So, I mean, I don't know. I just really got creative. And I was like, okay. Two sisters, you know, take different paths in life. One sister is, um, uh, one sister falls off because I believe, you know, their mother wasn't around and stuff. So their aunt had to take had to take care of them, and so you know, the, their aunt had, uh, I believe, cancer, and so once she died, they was left with her house and stuff. And after that, you know, one of the the younger sister got carried away, started, you know, doing whatever she wanted to do out in the streets. So she kind of went down another wrong path. The other sister, she, you know, she got her life together, this, that, and the third, and she went down another path. So they lost, you know, connection and stuff. But, you know, through God, through prayers, through dreams, you know, they were reunited. And so. Glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. That (laughs) reminds me of the story about the rich man and Lazarus. You know, you know, Lazarus came just to just to get the the crumbs from the rich man's table, and the rich man didn't even pay him any attention. You know, like you were saying about the book you wrote about the rich woman who found out in the end that you know what, all the money in the world, glory to God, can't save yep. you. It can't save you. I mean, I mean, so that I am, I am, I am truly amazed that you you are an amazing young woman. <laughs> And, and and I look forward to seeing the things that God is gonna do with you in the future. In the future. So so Minister Seven, do we have any of uh, our other callers on the line? Uh no sir, not at this time. Okay. Then we'll just go ahead on with our show from here. Well, I was coming out of the book of Proverbs. I was coming out of the book of Proverbs and it was saying it was talking about the virtuous woman. And it was and and, and, and and we have a problem in black America right now <laughs> because of our women excelling. And we know, we know as me and you were talking earlier, Mr. Simmons, we were talking about how, how we know that they have, that, that society, uh, America has stacked the table 
against against our against our you know against the the, the black man you know meaning for him getting jobs you know being able to work uh, you know uh, the three strikes you out uh, you know them getting a felony so a lot of them you know for their voting rights concern for their you know getting jobs is concerned we know. We know that the, we know that the, we know that the table is stacked against the black family, okay. So, so what we've seen in the, in, in in today's time, we've seen that our women are excelling far beyond a lot of our men, and that's causing a lot of problems in the family today because you know the man's supposed to be the provider, he's supposed to be the breadwinner, he's supposed to be you know the head of the household, but. And a lot of these families, the, the the wives are making more money than the husband, so that's causing a great big problem. And I know when I was when I uh, Antonio when I was interviewing your mother on on WIGO, that was one of the points that we that that we brought out, and and she was talking about how when she was I remember them days back in the day. I don't know how old you were. You were a little <laughs> you were probably a little girl at that time, and she was a lady contractor. And she was going out contracting jobs, and then you know it caused it caused confusion in her marriage. So, so Mr. Simmons and and Antonio, I'm, I'm asking you all about the changing role of our black women. How you know how does that affect the black family today? I mean, how does that affect us? Well, let me say one thing. It looks like Antonio might have went into an area where her cell phone service uh, went bad because her call has dropped. So hopefully she'll be able to call back in. She got disconnected, but um. In any case, um, yeah, man, I mean, just, it's just, it's that, the changing role of women, I mean, it's, we try to uh, make it seem like it's a, uh, it's a recent thing, but this is, you know, 70 years in the making. You know, we have uh-huh. to go back and look at the history and understand that this really started during World War II, you know, where because, you know, the shortage of men that, um you know, women were put into the work phase place on a large scale for the first time in this nation's history. And really ever since then, and we're, of course, all of us children, I mean, all of us, we're not children anymore. We've grown in our, you know, 50s and 60s and in some cases 70s. We are the generation that was the first generation was really produced with the idea of it, of it being okay for women to be in the workforce. Mm. And so, uh, you know, this is, you know, so of course the, our children are the ones now that are walking out good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you know, the next phase of this, where in some cases due to economic difficulties in some areas of the country and some areas in the world, women are now becoming more and more uh, impactful as far as being high wage earners. And once again, there's a huge amount of pressure on uh, politically uh, in terms of this whole equal wage. Uh, concept. Now, again, I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't pay, you know, someone, you know, the right amount of money for doing the work that they do. You know, some of this is, is somewhat politically motivated because, you know, again, for the first time, going back a few years ago, women in the United States, I think, with the 2010 census for the first time actually outnumber men in the country. Uh-huh. So all of these things impact what we're seeing now uh, to the good and to the bad. <laughs> You know, I think to some degree it's disrupted a lot of um, a lot of families and a lot of households. But in some cases, it's allowed you know women who previously may not have been able to on their own 
you know, to be able to not only take care of their families, but even, you know, take care of them in, in a way that is, uh, like I said again, would have been not able to do, you know, maybe 25 or 30 years ago. Glory to God. Well, well, well. Right now, Mr. Simmons, we have we have we have a a black female, uh, Ms. Adams, that is running for governor. Okay, and right now she's carrying the lead in the Democratic Party. But you know, most of our governors in Georgia have been white male, and they've been Republican. So it's been a while since we've had a Democratic uh, governor in Georgia. What what do you got to say about that? What do you think her chances are, and what do you think she would have to do to actually win an election like this? Well, I don't think she has to do anything more than what she's been doing already. I mean, um, you know, uh, like I said again, women outnumber men. Um, Here in the state of Georgia, you do have a large black population, you know, especially in your cities like Atlanta. Uh, I think to some degree you might even have that same thing in Macon. But you have a lot of people that live in Atlanta, and it is a predominantly African-American city. So uh, that's where it basically is going to be. And uh, we've already seen just a scant decade ago that something that seems impossible (laughs) can be possible because let's be very honest and and realistic. We all look at, uh, you know, the post-two-year term President Obama, but we forget to look back on what the landscape was in 2007 when he came. Uh-huh. Even I said at that time, hey, this guy doesn't have a shot. Maybe 2012, you know, we would have, he'd actually have a full term in the Senate or a second term. He'd have more national stature. But he took the country by storm, and he saw the fact that the Democrats were in a position where they had no real leadership at the top, and there was a vacuum, and he filled it. And it's the same thing going on here in Georgia. I mean, unfortunately, you know, there has been a vacuum, especially with men, and to some degree with black men. I won't say necessarily a vacuum, but men that, for whatever reason, have not been able to bridge the gap and to appeal to, which I think is a key voter block, and the same thing it was for President Obama, which is the youth. Yep, they might appeal to middle class, upper middle class. They might be able to cross over uh, with, with, with non-African Americans, but they haven't been able to tap that very, very powerful market and voter block, which is the youth. And that's the one thing that Stacey Abrams has on her side. Not only does she have an energized group of women, obviously led primarily by African-American women, but I think that she is going to be able to grab an unprecedented number of the youth vote. And I do believe that uh, we, could, we could be looking at the first black female governor um, in this country. Oh, okay, but what about what about what is it like? Fifty-two uh, Georgia is like fifty-two percent uh, white. So, so no, it, uh, you know, no, don't get me wrong. She it, has the two strikes against her. I mean, she got you know she's black, and then she's a woman. You know, so how 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 does she how does she? I mean, like Obama, she would have to carry that uh, a percentage of that white vote. Well, she is, and that's why I said, I mean, most of that is going to come, I believe, from people under 40. And just like President Obama, that's where he made his, and actually with him, it's for people under 30. I think that's what it is. I think that, that in the case of, of Brian Kemp, he is a guy that, you know, you, you just have the perfect storm. You have a situation where the Republicans have a nominee that does not excite their base in any way, shape, or form, okay? 
and you have a situation where you have a woman who you have so you have a candidate that because of her color and her gender that is going to excite a populace far beyond just her local race here in Georgia. Mm. I mean, this race is national news. So where she may not have had the finances to be able to really do the type of advertising and do the type of things that you would need to do to, uh, to fight against in a gubernatorial campaign, in her situation it'll be different because she's going to get a lot of money from outside the state of Georgia, a lot of money. Okay. And, uh, and, okay. and like I said, again, this is not a woman who is an amateur. I know that they're going to try to paint her as being, quote, unquote, a uh, single woman, single mom, kind of, you know, what experience do you have? But keep in mind, this woman has already been uh, in uh, the State House of Georgia for some time, is my understanding. Uh, so this is not some Johnny come lately to politics. And we remember, by the narrowest of margins, Kasim Reed used that same tactic to win two terms here in Atlanta. He was a guy that was respected in the State House. He was a guy that was able to get crossover votes from, uh, from whites as well as African Americans, obviously. And he used it to carve out a razor-thin victory in two consecutive campaigns. And right now, all the polls are saying it's a close race between Kemp and Abrams, and that all, all the way favors Stacey Abrams. For all right. In the game right now. All right. Well, we have a few seconds left. This is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. I want to thank Antonio uh, Williams for coming on the radio with us and. And and I want to thank you all. I want to thank you all. This is the whole truth, nothing but the truth radio broadcast. And and as 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 we do every time, this is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Thank you. In order to be free, you have to know the truth. Pastor Lionel Gant seeks to use the truth of God's word to help stop the tide of violence and. Man-